Welcome to the Heritage Free Will Baptist Church podcast. We are so glad you tuned in. If you haven't already, please subscribe, and that way you'll be alerted anytime we add new content. Also, if you haven't already, please share with your friends. Now, let's get to today's topic. Hello, folks. I just wanted to uh, take just a couple minutes to think about, you know, I guess one of the current things that we see going on right now is the big argument now over, you know, these monuments uh, and specifically the uh, Confederate flag. Uh, sometimes it's referred to what, what I always referred to it growing up was the rebel flag. Um, and, you know, the meanings and stuff behind it. Of course, there are those that, you know, they talk about it as part of their heritage. Um, some folks talk about it, you know, as part of history. And uh, I don't think we need to go tearing down a bunch of monuments. Um, and a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Kevin Riggs, actually led a, a group of people down in his part of Tennessee to actually, instead of tear down monuments, uh, instead erected a monument that was to... to Basically, it was there to bring um, attention to the the fact of of slave trade, and so around this uh, they had this circle in their town, and around this circle were um, you know monuments uh, for I think you know like um, Confederate generals and stuff like that. But they actually erected a monument there uh, that what they called the Fuller Story. In other words, now you get the full picture. You're seeing these monuments of these soldiers or generals or leaders of the you know Confederate Army, um, but look at the other side of what's actually was happening. And so they erected this monument um, to you know to to bring into remembrance um, the the uh, slave trade that happened there in that same circle area, that same middle of town where they actually used to have an auction block. Instead of you know, instead of trying to take away history, tell the full story of history. And so, uh, so thankful for folks like um, like Brother Kevin that uh, Riggs that just you know has really picked up that banner and and run with it and, and really you know put himself out there to do it. And so now I know this flag's been an issue. I even was reading in the news about some you know ish, discussions in NASCAR about it and all. And so the problem is that we tend to want to take an emotional look at things. And instead, as a follower of Christ, we need to look at the biblical view of things. Right? There's going to be times where what the Bible says and what our emotions say actually may differ. And as a follower of Christ, I need to choose the biblical path, not the you know, emotional path. And so I want to bring to you a biblical response uh, for the argument. Specifically, that's just I'm just going to narrow it down specifically to um, the the Confederate flag, rebel flag, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's the flag that was on top of the General Lee and Dukes of Hazard, right? And so this removal of the flag, um, you know, do I think it's necessary? And you know, is it important? Well. Uh, I do, and let me give you a biblical response. So what I think and how I feel is really not the issue, right? The real issue is the, you know, what does the Bible say about these things? 
So I've seen people post on social media things about what that flag means. The uh, uh, the the X represents the Christian cross. Uh, the red represents the blood of Christ. The white border represents the protection of God. So there's all these things that you know they say that this flag represents. Um, here's the problem with that: is during that time when they were fighting to hold on to you know to uh, the right to own slaves. There were people who called themselves Christ followers, right? Professed to be Christians, but yet held to a belief that these, you know, that, that, that black people were a race that was less than the white people, right? So that they held to this belief and, and they were owning slaves and trading slaves. And not only that, there were Southern pastors that was actually twisting the word of God to fit that agenda. So to say that we have a flag that represents so much about Christ, but yet is not, as we preached last week, in step with the gospel, well, that's problematic. That's an issue, isn't it? I mean, so if, I, if I'm a person of color and, and, you know, when I look at this, say, okay, so yeah, you're saying that this thing represents all these things that are tied into Christ, but yet your treatment of people who are of a different race didn't look anything like the gospel. It was contrary to the gospel. And so when you look at this from that perspective, you know, you start to maybe look at this thing a little differently. And so why is it offensive? Now, listen, I want you to understand that, that uh, I'm not a snowflake. And I don't like snowflakes, right? So I, I know, especially as a pastor, I know that there's no way I'll walk through this world without offending somebody. Absolutely not. But listen, but if, I want, if I'm going to be offensive, I want to be offensive for the gospel's sake at least. I want to be offensive for standing for the right thing and not the wrong thing. Right, so I know that we can't be political or correct on everything because here's the fact: the facts are is that if we stand up and we say that things such as you know, uh, such as you know. Um, you know, sexual immorality of any level, right? Of whether it's homosexuality, adultery, or whatever. If we say that that's wrong, according to the scriptures, then we're going to hurt somebody's feelings, right? And and they're going to say that we're haters. Um, there's no way around that. And so this is not about trying not to offend anyone. This is about taking a biblical stand in the right way and looking at these issues from a biblical perspective. And when I look at it from a biblical perspective, I see something different than maybe I would have seen, you know, maybe a few years ago. Uh, and maybe when, it, you know, when I looked at things that maybe tied it more to uh, pride and tied it more to my emotional response. Um, when I look at it from a biblical perspective, I see something different. So, so is this in the Bible? Well, let's look at something similar that happened in the Bible, and I believe there is complete application for this. And so we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And it starts off with, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol is, has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. 
For although there may be so-called gods, little g, by the way, in heaven uh, or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is only one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Now, so the problem was, is this, right? It says, however, not all possess this knowledge. So we know that there's only one real God and all these other gods that in that time in Corinth, that they were, they were offering these, you know, they were offering sacrifices to the, to these idols and the leftover meat from those sacrifices, they would sell in the marketplace. So Paul is setting it up here. It's like some people don't understand this yet. Maybe they haven't matured to this, but we know that there is only one God, one true living God and his son, Jesus Christ. Right, and then the Holy Spirit. Those these three are one, uh, but there's only one God. Right, so you know he he's saying that that there are these little g gods out here. But for those of us who truly know God uh, and are mature in Him, we understand that that those are just things that people have set up as gods to themselves, but they have no real value. Uh, and they are not living and they are nothing. And so the meat that was offered in those sacrifices means nothing because they're, they're, they aren't really God. And so this meat that's being sold in the marketplace, you know, that's left over from those sacrifices, it, you know, it, it's neither going to hurt, you know, it's, it's neither going to hurt you or help you. In other words, you know, it's just meat at this point. And so, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And so he says, but but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. He's like, look, there are some of you, there are some among you who are just young in, in Christ. And to them, it was a real thing. And even though they're now following Christ, the fact is they see that meat as something that associated them with their former practice of idol, of worshiping that idol. And so because that meat is tied to a former practice, uh, you know, they see it as something that bothers them and their, you know, they, they, you know, their conscience, uh, is, you know, is torn apart by it. Right. So they, they, they can't eat that meat. It bothers them because it was associated with their former life. And so they want to separate themselves from that. And then Paul goes on in verse 8 and says, Food will, will not condemn us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat or no better if we do. So he's saying the meat doesn't mean anything. Verse 9 says, But take care that this right of yours does not somehow becoming a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who has knowledge, who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it's weak, you sin against Christ. Now, think, let me read that again because I, I kind of didn't emphasize the word correctly. Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it's weak, you sin against Christ. He's saying, look, if one of these weaker people, you know, see you taking a part of that, uh, and it bothers them, you know, then, then you're going to, you, you could end up hurting your brother or sister by, you know, taking part of something, um, especially when you know they're watching or when they're with you, you know, you end up hurting them. And because you know that they are weak in this area, again, eating the meat doesn't hurt you. It's not, that's not the sin. The sin is when you know that this is going to hurt someone and you do it anyway. 
it says that you sin against your brother and you sin against Christ because, you know, as brothers and sisters of Christ, we are of him and have our being in him. And so when we wound a brother or sister, you know, and we sin against them, we sin against Christ. And then he, he caps off that chapter of chapter 8 with verse 13. It says, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So what is he saying? He's like, listen, if this thing causes my brother to stumble, then I will never eat meat again. If me having that T-bone steak that was offered at, you know, uh, Charlie's Meat House, because Charlie's Meat House gets their meat from that, that idol's temple over there, if eating that meat bothers my brother, I'll never eat it again. Why? Because we need to care for each other that much. We need to love our Lord God with all of our heart, mind, and soul and love our neighbor as ourselves. And so how does that, you know, so what's that got to do with, you know, then with this flag issue? Well, to me, the flag issue is this. You know, some people say, well, you know, it's part of my heritage, part of, part of my Southern pride. You know, your Southern pride is what, right? So think about, you know, do you really want to ignore, do you want to have something and hold on to something because it makes you, you know, part of your history, makes you feel better? Um, when you know that it also represents and stood for an army that was fighting to maintain their position so that they could continue to, to have slaves? I mean, is that really, is that where you want to be? Do you want to, do you want to be associated with that? And so I know this is a tough topic and I know that there's a lot of emotion tied to it. Um, but listen, you know, the practice of slavery was wrong. Racism is wrong. Being prejudiced against anyone for any reason is wrong. We covered that last week. So, you know, holding on to something, you know, or, you know, or making the argument to hold on to something, to me, when I look at the scripture and when I look at it from a biblical perspective, Paul says, if it's going to fit my brother, I'll never eat meat again. Well, I believe when I see, look at the situation from a biblical context, that means I'll never fly a Confederate flag again. Plus, there's no need to. Right? There's no need to. Why do something that we know is associated with something that was so biblically wrong? Why would I want to hold on to things? Again, I don't think we necessarily need to go tear down a bunch of statues and all that kind of stuff it is our history but let's teach the let's teach the the full story as my brother Kevin Riggs says let's teach the full story and the full story uh, about the civil war and about slavery uh, also includes the failure of the church the failure of people who say they love Christ yet did not love their neighbor as their self when they treated someone of a different race this way or owned them as property it's just wrong. Biblically, it's wrong. There's no room for it. And so to associate with something just so that we can say they're not taking this away from me just does not fit the scriptures. It does not fit the biblical context at all. And it's time that we not walk by emotion and instead walk biblically with a clear picture using the scriptures as our guide and allowing the Holy Spirit to enlighten us in the scriptures.
And he'll do that when we actually read to learn. Instead of, you know, if we're not careful, we'll try to find scriptures to support our statement or support our position. And that's the wrong way to study the scriptures. We study the scriptures to learn. And in the areas where my heart is wrong, when I read the scriptures and it's revealed to me, then my heart needs to change, not the word. Listen, I know this stuff is tough. We live in a tough time, but folks, this is a time to speak up. This is a time to be bold and proclaim Christ and the gospel as it is written in the word, not as we think we know it, but as the word states it. This is a time where people want to know that, you know, that, that, that there is hope. And trust me, there's a lot of rhetoric going on out there. I've, you know, I've seen it firsthand uh, and, and, and even, you know, been accused of something just because I claim to Christ. You know, and am a conservative that now somehow then that, that, then that qualifies me as a racist and that couldn't be, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. And if people want to do that, then they're going to do that. But listen, you know, there are people out here that just want to hate. There are people out here that just want to find some fault in you. That is going to happen. But there also are a lot of people out here that just want to hear some truth. They just want to know that they're loved. They just want to know that we're going to follow the scriptures. And we need to show them that. Let's go to prayer. Father, we love you. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to live in this time and this day. Um, Lord, while there may be a lot of unrest and a lot of things going on, Father, we also know that the field is ripe for harvest. So God, I pray, Lord, that you give us, Lord, the strength to stand and to proclaim you boldly among the world. Father, I pray that you thicken our skin so that when the naysayers and those who just want to spew hate and accuse us of things when they don't even know us and they don't even know who we are, Father, help us, Lord, by, help us to thicken our skin, uh, Lord, and not allow that to, uh, to, to, Lord, to get us off course. Not allow that to, uh, to be an excuse for us to, to not to continue. Help us, Lord, to, to stay strong, uh, Lord, and to be bold in you. And Lord, help us, Lord, to deliver that message with grace, even for those who hate us. Lord, give us the grace to be able to speak to them, Lord, in a way that glorifies you. Because, Lord, we know that you are the answer. Lord, we love you and we want to represent you well. So, God, we just pray today to help us. In your name we pray. Amen.